Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast episode 386. Yeah, episode 386 and part four of the Where's Your Head At series. Um, For the entire month of May, I'm going to be talking to people about how the pandemic has impacted their mental health and how they feel as we start to come out the other end of this. This week in particular, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. That's why I've put three episodes out this week. And yeah, but I wanted to do more than a week. I wanted to do the whole month and really have so many good conversations. So if this is the first one that you've tuned in for, then head back and check the rest out because I've had Fern Cotton, Jordan Stevens, Florence Pugh, Tez Ilias, Stephen Graham, Gail Porter, and like my mum, my goddaughter Lola, and loads of really interesting people. And still to come, we've got Lena Heady, we've got Dane Baptiste, we've got Connie Huck, we've got loads of really interesting people, Simon Pegg. Loads to come, but this week I'm going to be talking to four people. I'm going to be talking to Jamali Maddox, who has given me a lot of entertainment in Taskmaster in this last period of of, of pandemic times he's been absolutely w- 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 wonderful but I'm a fan of him anyway I have been for a long time um, I'm also going to be talking to Chris Glasson who's one of my favorite humans in the world there's no beating around the bush um, and to Jade Adams but I'm going to kick things off by talk- I feel like I moved on from Jade Adams there I also adore Jade Adams but I'm going to kick things off with Cariad Lloyd host of the grief cast and one of the last people I worked with before this 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 pandemic kicked in and she also when i was working with her was hugely pregnant heavily pregnant so yeah she's got a very unique pandemic story to tell so i wanted to talk to her about that before we get into it normally i'd plug my web store and my merch and my patreon here but i want you to ignore all of that for this whole month and if you've got some spare money, then go and donate to Samaritans or Calm, the campaign against living miserably, or Mind. But even if you haven't, just go and have a look around their websites. Have a bit of a browse because you might find some stuff that kind of either helps you cope with your own mental health, or whether you realise you're struggling or not, or maybe identify things that you might give you a reason to want to check in on someone you know, that you might go, oh, They've been a bit like that recently. Maybe maybe they're not okay. So, so yeah, head to any of them and have these conversations. It's, they're important conversations to be had. Um, so, yeah, speaking of important conversations, let's jump into this one with the wonderful Cariad Lloyd. Right, I'm here with Cariad Lloyd. How are you, Cariad? <laughs> Such a loaded question at the moment, isn't it? It's it like... really is. It's a powerful one these days. <sighs> How am I? Like normally I'd be like, I'm fine, but suddenly I'm okay. I'm all right. Today was okay. Yeah, I'm all right. Like I'm not. I'm not. Wouldn't be like I'm brilliant, but equally I'm not like fuck. Yeah, what are we doing? I'm done. And that's <laughs> yeah. and that's a win these days, isn't it? The yeah, kind of, yeah. The the reason for these podcasts is exactly that. It's to spend ten fifteen minutes just kind of finding out how your mental health has been during the pandemic, and then how we're feeling as we come out the other end. But mm. obviously you've 
been incredibly busy during the pandemic with the whole creating life thing and yes, and, yeah. and maintaining life. So what was the kind of timeline of all that? Because you were one of the last people I worked with before all this happened. Yeah. Because we were working on Out of Her Mind and you were heavily pregnant. <laughs> heavily, massively heavily. pregnant. It, it was... Yeah. I know. Genuinely, we were laughing about it because we were saying because it was on camera and we was and your character was pregnant. We were saying if this was a prop, people wouldn't b- believe it. They say no, you've gone too big. It's gone. Yeah, it's too, too big. Much. It's too ridiculous. Yeah, so many. When I posted about out of her mind, and then like later posted like oh I've had a baby that everyone was like oh it's real oh I yeah. thought it's fake and I was like <laughs> yeah, exactly no that was really my body yeah so we we filmed in January I was massive in January yeah. um so you can imagine by when he was born in March wow, <laughs> it was yeah. huge I had him about five days before we went to lockdown wow so yeah so it was, it's his fault basically it's his fault yeah or he's the sol- is he the solution that's what I think of the lockdown Hopefully, babies yeah. they'll grow up and have antibodies for us all or something 100%. um yeah so I had him just before we went into lockdown so that was really mental because I couldn't really because I was so pregnant I couldn't really take you know I could obviously I knew COVID was happening, but I had to block it out because I was like, I have to have a baby. So the idea that you're talking about a pandemic just has to go yeah. away. Yeah. Um, and then when we when we had him in the hospital, it was you know, no one was wearing masks or anything, but it was like, oh, wash your hands, or you can't have any visitors. And it was like, oh, that's annoying. But like, so I feel very lucky because I think obviously the women that gave birth right in the middle of it when they, you know, partners weren't allowed to be there and it was really stressful. Or even weeks later, really, from the yeah, sounds of it. Like yeah. it's really lucky that you were right at this. <sighs> I was so lucky. I was so lucky. And I, you know, people, it's awful, you know, everyone's like, oh, Boris should have locked down earlier. And I'm like, he should have done. But it did mean <laughs> like a really sort of almost normal, everyone being like, oh, it's, you know, we just got to wash our hands a bit more. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. but I had him on like, I don't know, it was just before, we, like the week before we went to lockdown and everyone was kind of blasé about it. Then that weekend I was like looking at my phone and it just went nuts. Like, mm. and we couldn't get, you know, like my husband, I was sending him out to get food obviously because I'm in hospital and he was like there's nothing on the shelf I was like what do you mean there's nothing on the shelf he's like oh you know I just tried to get you some chocolate and there was nothing there and then we came out of hospital and as we came out obviously went into lockdown so it was like very strange but a kind of yeah I feel very lucky that I I was ignorant really that's why I feel it lucky must, it must have felt like a zombie movie because yeah when you go in and then you were very distracted because of the whole giving birth thing yeah. um, and then literally just the crazy time of it as said to come out and the the, the shelves are empty yeah the streets are the streets are empty and you're like oh well, welcome to the world little yeah one. <laughs> little one and they um they don't when you so I had a C-section so they used to give you like ibuprofen and paracetamol but they don't anymore to save money for the NHS because you can just obviously it's not that expensive but for some people so they said to me you just have to go and buy some and I was like oh isn't there a shortage and the woman was like what don't be stupid and then I genuinely couldn't get hold of some for like a day and like friends like other mum friends were like dropping ibuprofen off of my like you know covid securely at my door and stuff so there was yeah there's definitely element of like what the fuck is going on but obviously you just got i have another child i've got a four-year-old as well and baby so i was kind of like couldn't really i really blocked it off quite a lot because i was like i you know what like whatever Mm. you want to say is happening i can't deal with it right now i just have to you know have a newborn and do all of that so I'd say the first month was fine (laughs) because I was like so distracted and tired and busy and I had planned like we had stockpiled anyway because we were planning not to go anywhere so we hadn't 
you know, obviously we hadn't COVID stockpiled. We'd just yeah. been like, oh, let's make sure there's loads of food in the house, toilet rolls. We don't have to like panic. Everything will just be there. We can really cozy up and stay in. So we kind of did that. <laughs> so we were prepared for that. But yeah, as I'd say after about two months, I was like, okay, now I need like now we're in a rhythm and I like, you know, he's sleeping and, you know, you just get it, it, the first few weeks are just chaos. And it was like, when he's about two months old, I was like, well, now I would like to see my family and now I would like to go out. And yeah, I was, I was going to say, do you think it helped your, 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 your mental health in those first two months? Because one of the big pressures I always <clears throat> think for mums and parents in general, of course, is that you've gone through this incredibly, physically exhausting thing and then you're dealing with a lack of sleep and all these other things but everyone wants to come and visit and yeah, meet yeah, the new yeah. baby and yeah. you have to then be on as a as a host almost and it's it's a bizarre one so I guess in your situation you didn't really have to do that <laughs> yeah that was I'd say like when I've told people I had a baby just before they're like oh it must have been much easier and you're like I mean, I wouldn't say easier, yeah, but definitely, different. yeah, different. And definitely I agree with you, like not having to deal with anyone but my fat, my unit, yeah. that was really brilliant. Like not having to put on a face or like, you know, go out to a cafe and pretend everything's fine when it's not yeah. fine. I just was at home in my dressing <laughs> gown. You're glowing. That's because I've yeah. got loads of makeup on because I yeah, feel yeah. like shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I don't want you to judge me for it. Yeah. So I, I've squeezed myself into all my old clothes, but everything's painful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was really good, like not having to deal with anyone. But I said it, I guess because it was my second as well, I think, you know, you're, I was a bit more prepared for these things. It wasn't mm. like, oh my God, my life's over. It was like, yeah, yeah, we knew, we knew this was coming. So yeah, I would say the first two months, I probably had delayed shock. Like I noticed myself feeling the way my friends had been feeling two months beforehand, like their right. kind of reaction to it. And I was like, it'll be fine. You know, guys, we'll just get through it. But two months in, I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, what is this? What's happening to the world? Whereas I, I was so distracted at the beginning that I didn't, yeah. I didn't kind of look at it that closely. I would just turn the radio off because I just, I just couldn't have a newborn and hear, oh, the world is literally imploding. Yeah. I was like, yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> Can't, the world can't you've just it. brought this wonderful ray of light into oh, is actually God. imploded. Yeah. That's too much to handle. Do you, so, so do you feel it was a case of that kind of isolating of yourself f from that wore off? Or was there something in particular that kind of kind of made it all kick in and, and go, oh, right, this is scary now, or I'm struggling, or this is tough? Or again, because as much as it's great to not have the pressure of, of mm. visitors equally, it's really handy having nan support, and auntie support, and stuff yeah. like that and support that's not i mean it's more than handy i've downplayed it massively there it's, <laughs> it's essential it's kind of handy but it's, it's, it's essential if, yeah. if it's possible to have that support yeah. so do you think that kind of that wore down i guess yeah definitely like i think i said at first you know it's nice and you you know her nursery clothes so I, I wasn't having to get anyone ready in the morning we could just get up whenever we felt like it and <laughs> eat when we want and you go yeah this is not it's like a holiday isn't it at the beginning you're like well it's a yeah. bit like Christmas or something okay fine but yeah I would say when he was about two months old I was like oh I I like now I now I'm settled and now like I'm healed and I could I could take him out I could go to a baby group and you mm. know and also as I said with a four-year-old going nuts because there's nothing to do and she can't play with her friends that's when you really start missing yeah your support network and I, yeah my family luckily my mum had met him because I said we had him just before lockdown so she yeah. had 
been here when we'd brought him home but that was it she hadn't seen him and she didn't see him again until he was like three and a half months I think is when we were allowed to see people yeah and so that was really yeah sad you know sad and like and the other thing that's quite I to anyone who's had a baby in this experience nobody cares no one cares you've had a baby (laughs) like they're all in a pandemic so normally we're like used to people being like oh my god no one gives a shit you had a baby great yeah um so yeah I've I'm finding really hard actually and um yeah my job right and you're like oh it shows how self-centered we all are quite naturally because oh no I I think it's fair enough it's a pandemic no but equally we really care about a baby if we get to come and look at it and squeeze it and touch it but if not it's like ah well I'll get excited when I can when I can enjoy it I'm sure it's lovely for you but when I can come and enjoy it (laughs) well also he just turned one and because like still hardly anyone's seen him all my friends are like haven't you just had him and I was like no that was a year ago like that was you've forgotten that that happened in the beginning so yeah he still hasn't like someone came in to fix a radiator and honestly he was like who's this (laughs) who's this person yeah yeah when he meets other humans he's like I feel like he's been brought up in a sort of like bunker on a nuclear yeah holocaust or something it's just like you know other people that aren't his family unit are really intriguing to him. I, I would have been so tempted to look up all the experiments that they say we can't do because people have to mix, but go, all right, yeah. well, let's yeah, uh, yeah. let's raise him to be left-handed rather than right. <laughs> let's see if we can control that from the off. Um, a, a, a question I've been asking a lot of people is how mm. it's felt having your professional life paused. Mm. Has that affected you much or were you already preparing for that with a child on the way that's kind of it's something that has to be yeah, ripped yeah. from underneath you because of 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 that so but has it is it something that's still kind of got to you or made you anxious in any way yeah definitely and again I'd say for anyone you know I think for people who did have children it I think we we were all a bit delayed so when mm. my friends who you know suddenly had their gigs ripped apart in March like I didn't have any gigs in March. I didn't have any gigs in April because I had planned yeah. to just like have a really nice paternity leave and really look after him, um, which I didn't really in my first. I went back to work quite early. So I was like, this time I'm really going to enjoy it. So it wasn't till I would say probably like, yeah, June, July. And I was like, I haven't got any gigs and I haven't got any, like that's when it hit me. And then my self-employed friends were like, yeah, that's what we've been saying. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. And I was like, God, it's really awful. <laughs> So I was like late to the party, and then again, no one cared. So like we're through that. Again, the no one cares thing. That's so unfair. No that repeatedly. They were like, no, no, we've we've gone through that now. We've started like filming online. And you're like, oh, I haven't done that. Like I've just been having a baby. So it, yeah, everything hit me afterwards. But yeah, it was horrible. I think it was really horrible. And this is, um, I do a lot of improv. And this is the longest I've ever gone without doing an improv gig, without doing yeah. Ostentatious, which, you know, we just cele- well, celebrated. We just had our 10-year anniversary of being an improv group. Wow. But we didn't, you know, yeah. we didn't do anything. We couldn't see each other. But we've been doing shows it's, every week, yeah. It's tough as well because, yeah, because every other comedian had been on a million virtual pub quizzes. Yeah. And by yeah. the time you were ready to, they were all over. Everyone had they got bored over. of pub quizzes. It's like, no, we're not <laughs> inviting you anywhere. Um do you feel your podcast has helped mm, in any yes, way? Because yeah. I've definitely found that just having conversations over Zoom that I'm because I'm not the kind of a lot of people are, and I'm not against it at all. But I'm really not the oh, oh let's meet up and have a, a Friday night drinks on Zoom type guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm not that guy. Whereas the podcast, as soon as I started to do it over Zoom, it felt like I was still getting those moments of feeling like me as yeah, weird as that yeah. sounds and your yeah. podcast for anyone who doesn't know is Griefcast, and it's 
it's one of my favourites and it's just, it feels like you get to have these important conversations. Like even if they weren't going out, these would be important conversations because it's allowing someone a safe space to talk about their grief and to and to share and to connect with someone. So do you think that's, how's that been as part of the, the pandemic? Yeah, and then funny, talking about it now, I just realised that's when I decided to, in about June, I was like, I'm going to restart the prog- I mean, I'd yeah. planned to, but I had, I wasn't sure like when. And in June, I was like, right. And I, it felt obviously hearing the numbers going up every day, hearing people on the radio. And the yeah. thing that really stuck with me was when the Dominic Cummings thing happened and there was someone on the radio saying, I didn't see my father die and I didn't go and visit him. And actually wow. I'm angry at myself because I thought we were oh, all doing God. something. And it, yeah, it obviously I stood in my kitchen and was like, oh, this is a time more than ever where we need to talk about grief. Yeah. And obviously I, I've been doing the show for like five years and yeah. it felt weirdly like, oh, time to, time to bring back, bring back the gang, get the gang back together. Like it felt important. Sounds like a wanky word, but it felt important. It felt like, oh, I think I might need to do yeah. the show at the moment. So then I started doing the podcast and yes, I completely agree with you. It gave me a focus again. It gave me just a chance to talk and you know at the start of every episode before we start recording we'd have a chat a bit like this how are you god how is it and just that moment of like oh yeah how the people are going through this this yeah it's hard isn't it and I found that really yeah just it's trying to stay connected I really suffer if I don't connect with my friends and people around me so I was always sort of looking for that connection somewhere I think one of the weird things with this pandemic is the start of it was all about characters Mm. and it was it was Tom and it was all, all these different individuals. Oh, yeah, and yeah. by about halfway through, it became about statistics and numbers mm. and it became really impersonalised. So I can completely understand how having those direct conversations humanised the this weird event that's become yeah. a thing rather than something that's happening to individuals. It's happening to, to, uh, uh, to the world and that's too broad for us to conceive. Yeah, the world it is. Having it this. Is. Whereas having those individual conversations, go, oh, it's happening to my friend and to this mm. person or this this actor I'm a fan of or or whomever else, and yeah. it, it it can ground it and and yeah, I think it helps helps us all deal with it as humans as well. Yeah, because the numbers, especially in this country, just became so staggering. Yeah, it, I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it, and I'm someone who talks about death every week, and I was struggling to go. What does that What does that mean? And it's so important with humans to find the narrative of something and to find the story behind the thing. Like that's how we connect to things. That's how we heal ourselves. That's how we understand ourselves. And I think you're right. Like the character of you know Tom gave us an understanding of God. Someone pushing themselves at that age because they care about an institution so much that makes sense to me and again if you can break down the stories of like I interviewed Michael Rosen a couple of weeks ago who you know had COVID went in at the start of March and hearing his story hearing him talk about his recovery his year-long recovery he's still recovering from COVID and you know the intensive care experience he went through really helped me go this this is what has happened rather than like Sometimes I think all you can feel is a panic, an overwhelm, a fear, a sadness, but you don't mm. really know where to put those emotions. Whereas if you can put them in a narrative, I think that's 
just helps your brain to process it quite what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of <laughs> of panic and overwhelm and fear, um, how do you feel as we start to come out the other end of it? Because, again, I think the yeah. only stuff that's being talked about is the excitement, but there's mm. going to be anxiety, there's going to be all sorts of things. And you're, you're coming out the other end with a one-year-old, which is yeah, bizarre, because you went yeah. in kind of not with a child, just about yeah. a child. And you're coming out with a one-year-old. So, yeah, how does that feel socially, professionally? How are you feeling about this coming to an end and us starting to see how we start to to, to navigate the world, I guess? Well, as somebody who deals a lot in grief, I totally understand why people are excited. I don't think that's a wrong reaction. No. But as someone who deals with grief, all I'm really thinking of, because that's, you know, that's my cupboard to look into, is the grief that people have been suffering for the past yeah. year, all those people have died now with it all opening up and acting, everyone acting like it's gone away as if it's a war that's ended. It hasn't gone away. It's just the government has given us a date where it's going to open, but we all know that, you know, it's not, it's not disappeared. We're not New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. It's still yeah. here. And all that grief that people have been through for the past year and haven't been able to have the funeral, haven't been able to see the family, haven't been able to visit a grave because there isn't one, you know, all those rituals, that's going to be a lot of trauma and sadness that people are going to have to process of what just happened to us. So that's what I keep thinking of. And I've spoken to, you know, some of my guests who lost people last year, not necessarily of COVID, but one particular guest, this week's guest actually was saying, you know, I haven't lived a lot, a normal life since my wife died. So I haven't had the offer to go to the pub or a wedding and all this stuff. Mm. Like I've just been locked away with my grief, which in some ways is, quite helpful because I've really faced it but in other ways as it opens up I'm like oh whoa 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 the world without them because we haven't had the world really we've had this kind of weird limbo version yeah so that's what I keep thinking about and that makes me I don't think it's good or bad it's just a thing people are going to have to have help to deal and process with what just happened to us and (laughs) cynic that I am I've got some gigs coming up in July but I'm still like let's see yeah, yeah, let's just see, shall we? Let's like, I'll put it in the diary. But if someone said to me, oh, it's not happening, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's absolutely the correct outlook to have yeah. that kind of, yeah, cool. This sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah, great. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> if we can, I'd love to. Yeah. But yeah. if we don't, that's also okay. Sad, but. And that's I don't the know, key, I think. Know. I think that's a really good part is that it's also okay. Like we, yeah. we all want to get out of this, but. We've already seen that if we get out of it too early, we're, yeah. all we're doing is extending it. So I think that's a really key point of that's nice, but if we can't, it's okay. Yeah, you know, it's okay. We've we've learned that we can get through this, and this this year has flown. It's been the longest and shortest year hmm. in in my life. <laughs> it's it's such I, a weird one. I feel like I had a show on at Christmas. I wrote, co-wrote a panto that was on at the National Theatre. So like, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And it closed after four performances because yeah. we went into shutdown. And so I feel like if if anyone isn't, do you know what I mean? Like, I think all of us were like, I keep thinking of that folk tale, you know, what is it? That, oh God, such a bad podcast chat. <laughs> so, so tired. There's that f- folk tale about the one, the animal that like prepares for winter and the animal that doesn't. It's like the grasshopper yeah. or something. And I feel like that's what we were all felt a bit like in November. We were just like, yeah, be fine, be fine. And then we were hit with what I would describe as the bleakest winter I've ever been with. Like yeah. in the bleak midwinter was the only song playing in my head for the yeah. entirety of December, January. Yeah. 
like that if that hasn't taught you something that like you have to come prepared now like I think we were a bit naive in November we were like yeah I think it's all right here and then we got smacked with the Kent variants and that's like okay guys let's just all go into this cautiously carefully and things might get taken away again and like a child who's had their birthday cake ripped away I'm like if you say there'll be cake I will wait until I'm tasting the cake to appreciate it <laughs> like that's how I feel I love that. That's perfect. Thank you very much for giving me a, a, a chunk of your 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 evening. It's been it's been very much appreciated. No, thank you for listening to me ramble. I, I, my therapy stopped a while ago, so this is quite <laughs> helpful. There we go. That was Cariad Lloyd. Wonderful insights there. Um, what a unique pandemic, right? That it all kind of ended up being almost staggered that she was a little bit behind because of new baby land next up i'm talking to jamali maddox um and this conversation blew me away because i love jamali i've chatted to him a bit i'll mention at one point how conversations with him have helped me when he might not have realized but i wasn't expecting him to be as open and go as deep as he did because he's not someone i've seen talk about anxiety and stuff before but we go we go in man so uh yeah i hope you enjoy this one this is jamali maddox right i'm joined today by jamali maddox how are you sir i'm good pitbull i'm good i'm i'm surviving yeah and it's weird isn't it because that that question has become so multi-layered in these times because normally that's like in terms of human interaction that question of how are you doing it's yeah. sort of always the, the if I feel like in the last year the niceties of that question has gone down where normally when someone asks you how you're doing you say oh, yeah, I am fine whatever where yeah. now you know to ask someone that you casually talk to they go I'm actually doing really shit it's kind of like a normal answer it's added extra <laughs> weight isn't it it's like yeah. it's like give me a shout if you need anything that yeah. for a long time that meant n- nothing man no one's ever called anyone out on that oh never I, never I can go you know what I do need something <laughs> I need that favor, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like it's like that scene in The Godfather, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I'm gonna call on you. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, no, it's mad how it's just that, you know, even just that sentence of oh, how you doing sort of seems to have a, a lot more gravitas than it ever have in my lifetime. Yeah, I agree. It's weird, isn't it? So the I mean the point of these is to kind of to have 10 f- 15 minutes of kind of checking in on how you've been over this last year and a bit I guess like mental health wise as much as anything because I think everyone's going to have had ups and downs Mm. and it's good to kind of see where we are with all that and then then look forward so how's it all been have you been good you've obviously done Taskmaster in the middle of all of this so you've had this big TV thing happen Mm. but you've been in isolation so yeah it's weird it's weird because you kind of like because I've been one of the luckier ones because I realized how much, if we're talking about mental health, how much of my mental health was wrapped up in my career. Mm. You know what I'm saying though? Like yeah, completely. Only this that really made me go fuck. Like a lot of my happiness was wrapped up in, in my job. Cause even though I did taskmasters, a lot of things I lost, like I lost out on a thing that I was kind of working towards for the last two years. And it kind oh, of got there and it went away overnight. And that was fucking hard, man. You know, that was like really hard. And I realized that I can't put too much of my happiness on my job. And when you really equate what the job, what my job should 
do for me is that I should be happy that I'm paying my bills. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But because, and especially when you work in this type of job, there's no limit to success. It's not like, all right, you become the manager or you become the CEO. It's sort of, it goes, there's so many levels. But there's also no no limit to the self doubt and and yeah. and the questioning, right? I think it's I think it's a working class thing as well that mm. like you get brought up to v- v- value yourself on if you're working hard, yeah, and not if you're happy, not if you're if you're if you're feeling f- fulfilled. And I think we've got a weird job. I remember doing the Edinburgh Fringe, the one year I did it, and I was performing every night and they asked me if I wanted some nights off and they recommend it. I was like, no nah, man, I'm only doing like an hour every evening. And in the day I was like trying to get a book written and stuff like that. And it was because I'm sitting there thinking it's an hour and evening. Like that's not a real job. And then yeah. in the end I lived through it and it was exhausting, like mentally and physically it drained me, but I still struggle to justify it because it's not a real job. So the reason I mentioned that is I think that's why working class people in these industries in particular it becomes a huge part of their self-worth and identity. So to have that taken away, like who who's Jamali Maddox now? Yeah, real talk. Not the guy on stage who's talking about this or the guy on TV. Who, yeah. Who the, the fuck is he? And I think that's such a, we- a weird thing to have to come to terms with. Yeah. And I kind of really had to, and it sounds like um, cliche, but you kind of have to appreciate, and that kind of helped my mental health was appreciating what I do have and yeah. not, what I've lost, you know, and, and also to not be too tricked by the illusion of the fact that lockdown has magnified everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything is magnified. So if yeah. I'm feeling a bit when normally I would be feeling, you know, cause I've got, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but I've got anxiety and, you know, the standard um, uh, 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 PTSD issues of growing up in a fucking, <laughs> in a bad area. Of, yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? Or, and what would be a normally a bad day turns into full-fledged fucking depression because of everything's magnified. Any little yeah. thing that would have just kind of air eh, before might put me in a bad day for a couple of days is a week now because everything, you know what I mean? Because everything's just magnified and you're sort of stuck with yourself a lot with no distractions. And there's no escape in it, right? If something's no. bad, it plays on your mind all day. I've said a few times in these chats, like, I'd literally, I'd watch a show and not enjoy it, and it'd ruin my day because I'd, yeah, be, like, yeah, I'd yeah. be put in this, I'd be put in this area where I'm like, "Fuck that!" That's you know, I didn't enjoy it. And j- just from what you were saying there, it will sound like a weird comparison, but we've seen it for years on the Big Big Brother House, yeah. and we've kind of pointed and laughed at mental breakdowns for our entertainment, <laughs> legit <laughs> mental breakdowns for our entertainment. Going, why are they getting so stressed over milk not being in the fridge or whatever else? It's like yeah, yeah. it's because you're isolated in this place and you can't escape it. And they're with other people, but still, a lot of people in this situation are they're they're su- suddenly with their family more than they've ever yeah, yeah, they yeah. ever thought they'd be, yeah. or they're on their or they're with their own mind more than they ever f- thought they'd be. I know I've had it that I'm similar to. to to you, man, I've got certain anxieties that I'm only I'm only kind of recently realizing are anxieties. I just thought I just enjoyed my own company, <laughs> but the reality is, it's yeah. the best choice outside of not wanting to go and get in that walk into that social situation or whatever else. That it's like cool, I'll chill at home, man, because I've got some good films and all that. So yeah, I thought I enjoyed that, and then this period is it shows that it's enjoyable because it was a choice mm. because I was selecting in some way to do it rather than you've got no escape you've got yeah. no 
you've got nowhere you can go. Yeah, the, yeah, it's the it's the beauty of the option with anxiety. Yeah, you know what I'm saying though, because then you can justify it to to equate to happiness or like you know you could go to the pub, but I want to sit and watch Goodfellas again. Yeah, where now you have no choice. Yeah, and that's kind of um, and that doesn't help well with anxiety. You know, what I mean, feeling you know um, you know lost where you don't have a choice in the matter or you don't have options, and that's. Yeah. That's that's anxiety riddled idea in itself is to be <laughs> to be left with one option when I you know my anxiety plays to the fact that you know I've got to think of every possible route. Do you know what I'm saying? No, yeah, like yeah, yeah, my yeah. brain works like that. Where I have to think of okay, this, this, and this, and I could do this today. But when it's just no, you're just here. Yeah, that fucked me up. But yeah, it's been it's been a, yeah it's been a, it, you know it's been a, I can honestly say that I think I've you know it's been a bad one, man. Like lockdown wise and i think i'm sort of coming you know i sort of came over the hump but i'd say sort of midway through was the worst point for me yeah in terms of it all you know what i mean because it's sort of like i had already done four months six months or whatever yeah and there was no end in sight yeah and that's yeah. daunting to me do you know what i'm saying no, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was the point where i'm in between the rock and the hard place because i've already done six half a year and I don't know if I'm going to have to do another half a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's the worst. Like, I don't mind going jail. Just tell me when I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Like, if you just like, if you go, if you put me in a cell and then you ask me, how long am I doing here? And they go, oh, it could be. To, like, we'll get back boy. to you. <laughs> you know, like old boy, where they just put yeah. him. In yeah, 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 yeah. And they just never told him when he's coming out. Yeah. And that is, that's pretty much, we've been living in old boy, where we had a TV yeah. and you can do press ups and learn karate. But you can't leave. <laughs> That's pretty much the way it's been. But you didn't have a fucking tour. But it's also, it's also been a big realisation to me about how I'm not the character in Old Boy I wish I was. I ain't been doing them press-ups or that karate. I've been doing a little bit, but it's not... I, I expected to come out of this fucking in amazing shape. And I've been like, oh, I've been doing we a bit. We all did. We all did. But, you know, and that's kind of... And I think that's kind of the... Because when I would talk to people and you know, stuff or whatever. I think one of the main things I learned from this is, you know, don't be too harsh on yourself sometimes. Do you know what I'm saying? No. And these are unprecedented times. And I'm I'm a big believer. Like there's no worse critic of me than myself. You know, that's why people say to me, oh, does it bother you when people leave YouTube comments? And I go, listen, no one's going to hate me more than I hate myself. It doesn't fucking matter what (laughs) it is. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't hate me more than I hate myself. But You read that hate and think you miss so many different things. <laughs> you miss so much. You only got those two things, man. There was so hey, much more wrong with that. You were stuck on the beard. You didn't even talk about the gap to you. What the fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> but um, you know, and it's you can't you can't be hard on yourself. Too hard on yourself. These are so unprecedented times. You know, you you did you didn't write the novel you thought you were going to write. You know, it's okay. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I it's completely right. get you. And I you think know. you said earlier about things being m- magnified. And I think that is completely true of the bad, but it's also tr- true of the good. Mm. And there was a few moments in this where you you were a big part of of getting me through a weird point, and you won't have even realised. But oh. when I was in Canada, the like, I was the same. I I, I didn't realise that people were going through this. The, the second half is harder because yeah. for me, I went to another country in the second half, so I thought it was harder because I was in another country. Not because it's just continuing, just, oh, I'm somewhere else. But I I, I was binging The Sopranos and I sent a few messages to you and a few to Sipa of people just 
do nothing. Just about how dope it is and how I wanted to get a pinky ring and all sorts of other shit. But also the fact that it's a show about a guy suffering from anxiety. The whole thing from beginning to end, every series is about a guy trying to deal with anxiety. And Mm. yeah, there was a few messages, a a few little jokes that you and me had back and forth and a few that me and Sipra had back and forth that were tiny, tiny insignificant things, but they become magnified. It does become that thing. And you start to think I've had some kind of connection. I can now continue just watching TV or doing whatever else. Yeah, and it's nice to hear from p- people. You know what I mean? It really made me realise how much I enjoyed hearing from people. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, though? Because yeah. there'll be guys where, because you're so distracted and it's like, you know, like before lockdown ended, I mean, before there was lockdown, when it was normal, you know, the idea that like, you know, like, you know, like like yourself, where I could go, yeah, you know, Pip don't live that far, man. I, we, we, we'll go for a beer sometime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I like people. We'll go for a beer sometime. But when you can't, yeah. you know what I'm saying, to hear from you, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, Pip, man. I like hearing from you. You know what I'm saying, though? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and sort of, you know, and, in, and enjoying that sort of company and, you know, even if it's just through a message or just through a thing and, you know, just the little things. And that made you appreciate the little things in life, you know what I mean? A little joke here and there with someone or, you know, little things and, and uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely understand you on that level. And you know, I, I think as well, one of the things that really suffered through uh, lockdown was, like you said, when people are locked in their families, is the relationship factors, man. Yeah. You know, I think you know we're going to see a lot of. I mean, I broke up with a girl during lockdown. If I'm going to be completely honest, you know. Yeah. And it, you know, it's the fucking. You know, I, I told uh, you know Rick Edwards. Yeah. I told uh, Rick Edwards because uh, he did my podcast, and I said, to him, "How you been?" I said, "You know what, Rick, man? Like, you know, I broke up with my girl recently and stuff." And, and Rick just went, well, I mean, it's it's either the worst time or the best time, because let's be honest, you ain't going to run into her anytime soon. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a good fucking point. That's a great point. It's a great point, because you ain't going to run into her, are you? Have so, that you know. great avoidance when you're going through that really raw period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the time you're a little bit better, you can be like, all right, all right, I see. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, you know, and, and those sort of relationships are breaking down, I think, a lot. Because a lot of people I know that broke up with their partner. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's to do with just the fact that, you know, mental health and you have to rely upon someone so much or and that's that sort of the pressure of all of that kind of broke relationships. I think being around someone too much broke relationships and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see when we come out of this, you know, how people are going to feel about that. You know, I mean, just the fact that relationships broke down, you know, for long term. And I think it's... um, you know, it could be a it could be a big issue, or it could be a sort of a, a good awakening for people. I don't know. I think I think people need to realise more that relationships are complex and different. That, that there's not one kind of relationship that works. And the fact is, people like yourself and me and other people in our kind of industries, we're away a lot. Mm. So I, I've got mates who've been in relationships for years, but they're home like half of the year. And their relationship is perfect. And all of a sudden, they're home the whole time. And that's not that either of them don't like each other, but some people, that's a better relationship, to not be on top of each other all the time, have your own space, have your own work, and then you reunite, and it's amazing and beautiful. So, again, it can be taxing for people to go, right, well, this isn't what we agreed to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like what we thought our relationship was going to be wasn't a year in the same room or rooms or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. So I think the... 
the more we can get away from the idea. And then again, you can go into all the different kinds of relationships that, that yeah. aren't that aren't discussed or looked at or being single. There's so many things that are acceptable, but I think it's got to be an awakening from the idea that a relationship is you meet each other, then you move in and you live together and you never meet anyone else or, or you never see your friends or whatever. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's there's, there's, there's many ways. I know people have been in relationships for years living apart. I know people who moved in within a month of being together and it's been perfect. It's been like it, it they wouldn't have lasted if they hadn't done that. So, but it's very, been a lot of them ones though, especially with lockdown where people were dating someone for like three months and then they were like, I mean, lockdown's happened. Should we just move in together? I know mad people like that, man. I'm, no, I'm, yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested to see what happens with them. One of my closest mates has, has kind of had that. And I think it's going to be perfect for him. Like, okay. I, like, it doesn't feel like one of them where you're like. <sighs> <laughs> you know, there where you're like, Ooh, baby. You know there's a few. Yeah. I've had a few like that as well. But yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, yeah. give yeah, any yeah, details yeah. on how close or not close I am to these yeah, people. Because yeah. I don't want to give it away in case they're listening. But yeah, there's been a few of them as well where I'm like, man. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. 100%. That's what you're doing, is it? 100%. But then, you know, again, that's just the. Uh... That's just the fallout of this weird experience. But um, I think in just to bring it back around to, to mental health and all, I think it's um, now from what I'm seeing and hearing. And again, I'm, you know, this is, it's only been a couple of days and I sort of live in a bubble of, you know, positivity in terms of what my social media reflects on me and whatever, you know, the people I follow are more positive than they are nihilist. But it seems like the fact that there is a crack of light in the door I think it's giving people some type of hope that they're feeling, you know, the, the, the sort of the uncertainty is sort of gone away a little bit for people. And um, so hopefully, you know, mental health will start to, you know, improve in people. And, 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 so. and, and how are you feeling in that respect then as we do start to come out the other side of it? Are you anxious? Are you excited to get back to things? Are you excited about projects? Like what's your... Um, you know what, man? I'll be real with you, yeah. Like, whenever I travel away for a long time, like when I was filming, you know, uh, 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 Hate Thy Neighbor, when I filmed uh, Future Land or whatever, like I was away for like six, seven months and I came back and it is a weird feeling. I would, And I'm kind of getting the same anxiety of when I was just landing. Yeah. Of like, fuck, like this is, you know, it's sort of surreal and to walk around and to to get back to normal life and, to start work again, you know, like stand up, especially is one of them jobs you get rusty so quick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying though? Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like the idea of, you know, and like, I remember when lockdown had that little break, I did a show in like some, um, some open air cinema, which fucking made a big comeback in it. Cause if yeah. you ask me to invest in open air cinema, they'll tell you to fuck off. But apparently, bro, they in were in the they UK. Were, Come yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of guys who made, who made smart investments, but anyway, definitely. Um, bro, I forgot my jokes. Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot my act. Like I was sitting there, like I had to listen to a tape. And it kind of feels like comedy now, which is weird because comedy was so linked into my identity of what I was. Because I really like like the culture of comedy. Like I like comedians. I like hanging out. I like do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I love I love going on the road and doing the festivals and seeing a comedian I ain't seen in two years and say, How you doing? And we talk shit and having that kinship with them and you know. And missing all of that and that being so much of who I was as a man, then that's gone away and it feels like a past life. Mm. 
Like I remember it, but I don't remember being there. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, yeah, for yeah. me to know that that's going to become my life again is making me feel a bit like shit. Like, you know, do I still have it? Or, you know, that self-doubt or am I still that person anymore? And you know what I'm saying? And, and it, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a bit, a bit anxious about it all and, and having to travel and you're traveling again and sort of getting back into the routine of my life, which is going on the road and, you know, going around the world and you know, I'm doing that type of thing by myself. Yeah. And, you know, all of that stuff is, is kind of, uh, it's quite a daunting feeling, you know? Yeah. I feel like, you. There's an unknown now. I think hopefully people can come into things a little bit anew and go, right, well, what, what are the bits of that life I liked and what do I want to do again? And how do I want to do it? I think you've always been someone who's been quite good at that, of, of not doing too much sh- shit you don't want to do. If yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a reflective thing going forward. And I also think on the comedy front, you're going to be, I think the odds on mm. there's going to be some real easy gigs at the start. Yeah, yeah, people are so hungry to laugh. Oh, people want to get out there and laugh. And again, you just I think, walk on stage and drop your hat, and everyone's going to be like, ah. "Yeah." Or like really? loads of comedians I know say they had a breakthrough when they realised that people have come out wanting to be entertained and wanting to, uh, uh, to laugh. It's not some like King's Jury type thing where you're having to entertain them. It's like they they've come out and they're paid. They want to have a good night, so yeah. they're on your side already a lot of the time. And I think there's going to be a lot more of those crowds yeah. as this first starts off. Hopefully, I think yeah, I think the crowds are going to be a lot younger as well. Yeah, one thing I noticed as well is like when really? I did that sort of break thing, the crowds were a lot younger. Interesting, which is a good and a bad thing. But it's because I think you know I think there's a it, on the off topic before I ask you, I've got a question for you actually. But on the off topic is I think comedy stopped being cool for a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, it kind yeah, of stopped yeah. being cool. Like it's not, it's not sexy. And it's like, we've all heard it before. Like, you know, well, what the government's bad and there's no God. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's not yeah. got that edgy factor anymore. It so. got too big, right? It, the counterculture became the culture. Yeah, 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 exactly. What's going on now? It's not counterculture anymore in terms of what people view comedy as. So, yeah. you know, to see young people coming back to it was kind of a nice feeling. And, you know, I like, I like the older crowd too. You know, every time I do a tour show, there's always like a couple that look like they shouldn't be there, but they've yeah. seen everything I've done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying they wear like a nice little cardigan and that. And I always say to them, what the fuck? You think it's Ronnie Corbett's coming? What the fuck are you doing here? And they're always going, oh, we like your stuff. Anyway. Oh, that's what I wonder though. What I wonder though is how are the young crowds? Because I always feel with young crowds and comedy, yeah, you it takes a little bit of time to train Panto out of them. Because they've yeah. grown up on Panto and thinking it's a collaborative thing and you're meant to shout out and get involved. And that ain't what comedy's meant. It's not about heckling. So I think Panto breeds a generation of hecklers yeah. and they have, to, they have to get that out of their system. And then they get to that, that perfect age where it's like, I appreciate it. I'm going to have energy, but I'm going to be respectful. Yeah. I mean, 18-year-olds are by far some of the most chatty fucking people yeah you ever meet in your life man and they and you know and it's like and i'm you know when i do my act i'm fucking you know i'm i'm known for 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 smacking a few bums if people get out of line but even me i feel bad because it's like they're not bad but they're not trying to be horrible <laughs> you know what i mean they're really not trying to be mean but you've got to smack their bum and say listen you shut the fuck up but yeah you know, they, they they are enjoying themselves, but how they enjoy themselves is putting out their phones or going, did you hear what he just said? <laughs> yeah. Dave said something like that once. And that, that's how they enjoy it because they yeah. sort of, you know, they sort of live in a comment fucking 
generation where everything you got comment on everything. Everything you, know, you can't just I've got a life. You have to share yeah. your opinion of it. Yeah, your opinion. So you know, uh, yeah. So you know, they, they're good and they're bad. But at the same time, you know, if if you want comedy to, if I want my business to last, you're gonna have to have that younger generation come yeah. through. So then they grow up watching it, and then you try. You know what I'm saying? No. And if, yeah, if I course. want comedy to last as a culture in this country, you know, because I I want comedy to be here when I'm dead. Do you know what I'm saying? No, like yeah. I don't want it just to be just for me, 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 me. I want it to so that the younger guys can come up and you know get to get to work and stuff like that. Uh, I've got a question for you. What's the one real positive you got from all of this, except the friend stuff? Like, what's the one thing that you didn't expect you would uh, be positive, uh, find positive about this experience? A lot that. Well, what surprised you of like what? Just do you understand? Is that yeah? Understand? No, I, com- I completely understand and. It's going to sound like a weird one, this first thing, but it's kind of a multiple thing. I guess it is kind of nature, but as stupid as it sounds, within the first month of the pandemic, I think I'd used my garden more than I'd used it in the five years I've lived in this in this house. And I, 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 I loved it. I love being out there. I've got a little sw- swinging chair and That's it became this, this thing for me and I'd never appreciated it. It's yeah. always kind of either I'm in the house or I'm going out somewhere. Yeah, what yeah, I could be doing yeah. in the garden. But, a garden's yeah. the thing when you go to view a house, you go, oh, it's got a garden, and then you never fucking use it because you're just like, that's just, you know, you don't cut the grass and you look out there. Well, and that was, that's the funny thing about a year, but not even a year, six months before the pandemic, I saw that G- Jim Smallman had, had put AstroTurf in his back garden, and I was like, yeah. I'm going to get some fake grass because I'm, that's it. I ain't, I can't, I'm not a grass cutting guy. So I put that in thinking, I don't know, it seems dumb, but it's better than having it all overgrown. And man, it's been a godsend. Because it is, you look out every morning, perfectly cut. It's green. I'm going to go and sit in my chair, the sun's out. It's great, man. I've never, see how much smiles that's given you. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's little shit like that, man. And that's kind of, you know, one, one of the positives I got from it and I didn't realise it was being able to just sit for a bit and really rest. I was sort of going, 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 going. Like it got to the point where I think my going and my having to go at all times was becoming a sickness. Do you know what I'm saying? And I really had time to sit down, have perspective and time to really accept that about myself. Like, because I remember like there was a time where that I uh, was this last, this wasn't last April, this was the April before. Long story short is I nearly died in Bangkok. Uh, I was in Bangkok doing shows. And I ended up having measles and oh, my, my lungs hemorrhaged in the hotel. Oh and, man. And I nearly, uh, I nearly died. The doctor, when I got, went to the doctors, the doctor the hospital, they said to me, if you didn't come in, you would have died because your lungs were filling up with too much um, blood and Jeez. fluid. And um, yeah, and I fucking went, you know, and I, I come back to England. Uh, yes, I, was in, I was in quarantine in Bangkok for a week. And then I came home. And I was so dehydrated and I was drinking a ga- like gallons of water, but my body was just, you know, expelling it in sweat and piss, like just, you know, sp- and coughing blood and all of this. And, uh, and I went back to England and my eyes, I went blind in my eyes and they said my corneas had cracked from the oh, dehydration. Geez. And I came home and I rested for like five days and I went and got on a flight to Australia to go do a tour just like, it was just yeah that's that, madness mate it, just that fucking could not stop work rate and to actually stop just what i'm saying though and just yeah. stop and be like you're sitting in your fucking house 
you know what I'm saying? You Again, know? It, it, it feels like I'm always trying to find patterns and, and, and explanations, but I genuinely, because I had the same for years, and I think it's it's growing up on rap because mm. it's, it's constantly about the hustle and all about uh, working harder and getting better and making more money and doing this and doing that, and it yeah. builds that because it makes it seem cool. And, I, again, the first few years of this podcast, I talk about it all the time, that I work harder than anyone else. The reason I get ahead is that I'll put in more hours. I've not got the, the, the financial backing, but I'll put in the hours, I'll put in the effort. And in the last few years, I've been going back on that massively and saying, <laughs> no, it's so yeah. important to set, step back and take a minute. Mm. And, and as you say, if that's, if that's something that this pandemic has forced upon you, then that's that's a positive thing. And that's why I was kind of saying earlier, hoping that people going forward look at the changes that they want to keep. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, so when you are getting back to the real world and to, to gigging, that doesn't have to be constant. It yeah. doesn't have to be all the time. It, you, you don't have to be constantly proving yourself or kind of trying to justify it. Yeah. yeah. It's not worth killing yourself. And I think that's one of the things, man, is, you know, you realise that same thing of that, that the hustle and the bustle. And I think to step away from it, it's not just, you know, our careers, I mean, in terms of showbiz and stuff. I mean, you know, I think this kind of translates to all people and the people listening here that might work in a factory or they fucking paint houses or they work in a bank, whatever the mm. fuck they do. It's, you know, don't get caught up in that hype of the fucking, because, you know, you, you, you go on Instagram and there's some motivational speakers saying, why are you sleeping seven hours a day? Sleep four hours a day. Money don't yeah, sleep. Yeah, and all yeah, the fucking yeah, yeah. shit. Fucking sleep. Shouting it as well. Yeah. Not shouting it while they're running. Chill out. Yeah, relax. You know do saying? the video after you run. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, I mean, don't need to be doing it all at once. Go, Jim. Do some fucking press-ups. Be healthy. But eat a burger now and again. Yeah. Like, you know, you enjoy your fucking life, man. And I think yeah. that's one of the things that lockdown has really taught me is to enjoy shit. Do you know what I'm saying? Enjoy. Yeah. You, you want a day you want to watch TV and fucking eat a pizza? Yeah. It's not the day you're going to fucking write the script. Yeah. It's not the day you're going to fucking, you know, change the world and find the cancer cure. You know, it's not the day that you're going to get promoted. But you know what? You're going to enjoy your day. And that's okay. Do you know what I'm saying? That's okay, man. Just enjoy your day, man. And and, and that's one thing that I've learned from this is to not, you know, because I was really in the tumble dryer of the machine and, you know, and really stepping back from it all, even though it was hard and the ups and downs that came with it. I think overall, I've come out somewhat of a better person. I think that's kind of the, you know, I think that's kind of the point of it. Or, you know, if you're, you know, if we're going to be stuck in this situation, try and at least come out a little bit of a better person. That doesn't mean a six pack and that doesn't mean a fucking, yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean yeah, yeah. a million pounds more. It just means being a little bit more happy and a little bit more content with what you have and a little bit more, you know, appreciative of where you are and what you have, you know, because if you've got food in the fridge and, and some bills paid, then you're, you're doing all right. Doing good. Well, I appreciate you. Are you taking the time, my friend? It's been a pleasure as ever. For you anytime, brother. There we go. That was Man Like Jamali. I hope you enjoyed that. Next up is one of my oldest friends, um, Chris Glasson. Now, I've known Chris for many, many years, and he's the host of the hard, or one of the hosts of Hardcore Listing Podcast, which I highly recommend. I've been on there a load. I love it. There, he's also regularly on the on the drunk casts with myself and his co-host Stu Whiffin. He's I say regularly. He's on every dr- dr- drunk cast. He's one of the drunk cast originators. 
But I knew that Chris had had a lot of things to deal with in this pandemic. His mum has had health issues. There's been a lot of work stresses and pressures, all sorts of stuff going on, basically. And it's blown me away how... It always blows me away how he handles these things. The the topic of Chris and Stu came up in in a Patreon Zoom chat I did a while ago. And I genuinely started to well up and get some tears because I'm I'm just proud to be their mates. You know, it's so dope that I've managed to get these people in my life. Um, so yeah, this is Christopher Glasson. Right, I'm here with Chris Glasson. How are you, mate? I'm oh, good, thank you, buddy. Yeah, it's a, it's a very sunny day again. So. That's good. Is it? Is it? Is the sun lying again though? Because I had this this yesterday, and Buddy Peace, I was saying this in Margate, in fact, mm-hmm. but um, that it looks really nice when you're inside, and then you go outside, and it's freezing cold. And it, it, I had it yesterday. I don't feel the cold, mate. Um, yeah. I'm quite tough like that, okay. so I wouldn't know. No, I I haven't really been outside much today, but yeah, I hate it when you've got that. When you sort of you think I don't even need this jumper. And yeah. then you walk outside and it's just biting it's cold. It's the worst. I was all excited yesterday because I was like, right, I'm going to do a workout in the garden. So I've got mm. loads of weights out there. <laughs> I've got it all ready. And about 10 minutes in, I was like, I'm so cold. I need to just stop <laughs> this workout. Um, but w- w- what we're here to do w- with these conversations is spend 10, 15 minutes basically just seeing how the pandemic has been from a mental health perspective for you, kind of the low points and anything that you found good points or, or coping mechanisms. And then after that, we'll have a look going forward. But, but yeah, how's it been? I know you've had loads of things to deal with in this pandemic from work stuff to, to, to personal family stuff to all sorts of other things. So has that made it harder? Has that been a distraction? Has it made you have to be the kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll take it all on my shoulders and be the strong one and not, do you know what I mean? Not acknowledge any of the struggles. Like, how's it been? I think even thinking about this, as an, I was driving <laughs> yesterday, mm. thinking about this, and the thinking of it was the distraction that I think has just got me another three points on my license. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I, I just got tagged on the M25 thinking about how to answer this. Yeah. And it's really weird. Like, the conclusions I came to, mate, are just, it's so strange because I, I, yeah, there's, I've been presented with certain things. Like, so I, I'm part carer for my mum. I do that two days a week, but obviously that never ends because I have cameras at my mum's house all the time. I'm always checking in and stuff yeah. like that. And and so I've been very dedicated to protecting my mum and someone else who's very close to me who's vulnerable too. Um, but when I thought about where's my head at, I have been way more depressed in the last three weeks than I have at any other point. In, really? this, in fact, okay, I use depressed. That's the wrong word, firstly. Um, I know where, where I am when I feel like I'm depressed and it's not that, but I feel like I'm sly. I've been sliding that way a little mm-hmm. and it's a big mixture of things. And I, it's difficult as a human being to untie that all the time. But I'll say this when lockdown all happened. And I think I was, all, I've always been okay with my own, my, uh, to my, being left to my own devices pip. And, yeah. um, I had certain responsibilities with people, um, that to make sure they were protected, but I didn't, feel that was as much of a challenge as any other time really I guess it was but it wasn't upsetting me Um, and in fact when other people were kept checking in on me to see how we all were I kind of got more of a vibe that they were the people who needed 
had to have chats than what I did. I was yeah. all, I, I felt okay. I wasn't kidding myself then. But just touching on that, it's it's kind of a nice thing, isn't it? I know people are often worried to talk about their problems, and I always say a good way to g- get to if you're struggling is ask someone else if they are. But it's quite a nice thing to know that you can be there for people. Like again, a lot of people are like I don't want to burden someone, and I think that's so rarely the case. I think it's kind of, as I said, it can be almost a yeah, an an honor of sorts to be to be able to 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 help out someone you care about, right? Yeah. I th- yeah, I'd I'd say that. And f- but from my perspective, I was okay. I was yeah. okay for a long time in lockdown. It it really wasn't phasing me. I was just completely grateful that COVID hadn't hurt any of my loved ones. Really, immediate yeah. immediate family. Um, and I had to just keep counting my sort of like lucky stars with that. And physically, I started exercising. I'm now vegan. I can't believe what I understand how that became but i Amazing. can i can say i'm a vegan it's not like i'm a yeah. vegan and i'm I, the idea is a nice idea I, i'm just a vegan and um i'm a lockdown vegan i'm sure i'll be tested on that <laughs> soon but um physically mentally I, I had a lot of opportunities to do things and improve myself yeah and and i took that opportunity to do that i feel a little bit more lost at the moment coming out of it and yeah. I know that I, I, I feel that's such a strange thing to say because I used to think I was such a sociable person. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, genuinely, that's literally the whole point of these podcasts, or the, or the, the at least the, the catalyst for these podcasts was seeing that everyone. All I'm seeing people talking about at this point is, the pubs are going to be open soon, mm. and no one talking about how we've had over a year of getting used to the fact that we're not social and we're not this and we're not that and something i've mentioned once or twice in these chats is you know me chris i'm not that social a person like i'm not shy about cancelling on a on 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 an engagement with my mates but i have massively missed loads of my mates but that doesn't necessarily mean that as soon as we can i want to spend a month hanging out with everyone do you know what i mean i want to go back to the okay well i might see them next week or in a couple of weeks rather than this kind of urgency yeah. of because there is there's a weird pressure on that and you're a, yeah that's it's crazy to, to, to hear from you because you always put you and Musa Okwonga down as my two <laughs> favorite people to have with me at any event because I know you're so good at being sociable that it can mean I can sit back j- j- jump in if I've got anything really good to say you know <laughs> but then other than that I know I've got these people who are, are great at socializing <laughs> meeting new people and yeah I do love it. I really do. And yeah. I, it's just weird that I'm just so adjusted to this. And I feel that there's a few other things I, I, I'm desperate to do. Like, And when it all opens up again, all of a sudden responsibilities open up or doing other things and, you know, the demand of being elsewhere. I quite like a slow pace of, of, of life. And I think COVID has forced that on us all. Yeah. And that doesn't phase me. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I can be quite a hermit, and I could, but I also do... I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll adjust back to it fine. It's just weird. I, I I found the idea that going back to normal was in some ways daunting me more than the, the idea that we were going into lockdown. And I, I'm, I'm trying to be Pip as honest as I can be. Yeah. And I, I also understand that that sounds very stupid and very, no, very no, counterintuitive. Because um, no. I know most of my mates are certainly not saying that. Yeah, you know, and like like that. Oh, can't wait! Let's all do this. And I'm like, well, I've got responsibilities to people who are vulnerable, so yeah. I don't think that I, I want to make sure that 
COVID's definitely under control before I just start going around getting hold of everyone and licking door handles. You know? and, 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 and that's a great thing to bring up and focus on then, because, again, we've got amazing mates, mutual friends, and you've mm-hmm. got mates who I don't mm-hmm. know as well, but I know are fantastic. But we do come from an area that is more lads and, and blokes. So mm. I think there is, you feel like a bit of a wally if you're bringing it up in the group chat, being like, no, I'm actually, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ready to come out and, and, and just throw all the rules aside. Mm. I think we need to slow down in it. But then equally, do you feel being locked away with your partner mm. has made it easier for you to make the changes on veganism or mindfulness yes. or health that absolutely. if you were seeing your mates all the time who might be a bit, oh, fuck off, mate. No, right, don't be a wally. Get on with it. It's, it's allowed you to kind of f- find those things. And now you're going to have to almost go out and, and come out to them all about these different yeah, things yeah, that you've no, now, yeah, that you've now out, found and have become out, part of you. Vegan. And, <laughs> and um, I think that'll be much more of a challenge. And it has been. And, and I'm very lucky to have a partner who is so excited about food that yeah. we we make that part of our life. I think what we what we learn to do is value the things that we're often in, in a consumer society told to really forget about. Like, because yeah. you can someone wants to sell you something to make money. So they'll make it look like that's more appealing than doing it for yourself. And I think slowing down life and learning to cook and in, enjoying what you can get for free, me and Molly have really made the most of. Yeah. That's a, that's an odd one. It's mm. really interesting on what you were saying about the general slowing down of pace, because again, particularly when I know you, you you've worked in the city, mm. we've done club nights in the city, mm. It's all for, all fast paced there, and cooking is a great example. I uh, when I was in 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 Canada, one of my main things for kind of mindfulness each morning was making my porridge because I would yeah. just kind of meditate on it almost. Yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. have a podcast on, I wouldn't have the TV on. I'd just quietly make this and focus on it. And it's the, it's the, it's the same with all meals that it is that kind of. Even though now I'll normally have a podcast on, but it's still quite chilled. That you are, you're going right for half an hour. I'm cooking and it takes as long as it takes. And there's no, if I rush it, it's not going to be as good. Mm-hmm. Um, the things aren't going to have cooked as well or whatever else. And yeah, I feel that that alongside the fact that I know you will have spent this time painting little miniature men, which again is going to be, I know for you will be hugely therapeutic. Yeah, and it was absolute lifesaver, dude. Like I, yeah. So I built an entire, I've built an army that is, I haven't even started painting it. So for a year yeah. I've been building an army that, like the thought of painting it now is like, oh shit. Every anyone listening who knows that game knows that if you should do it as you go along. He, hearing you talk about it on one of the hardcore listings <laughs> reminded me that when I was into it, I swear I didn't g- g- get around to painting most yeah. of them because I bottled it. Because building them, they, yeah. particularly as it was the metal ones rather than the plastic ones I used to get, and you just That's so hard. That. They'll have to glue them together and yeah, do a lot of stuff. But yeah. once they're all put together. They look really good metal, and mm. if you do a good job of painting, they look better. If yeah. you do a bad job of painting, you downgrade them from how yeah. they look. When you no one, them. no one wants to paint metal stuff anymore. No. And like, I, I, I can't. I really am looking forward to painting them. But I've had so, it's been so therapeutic. So part of my thing is like when I go home and um, spend time with my mum, what what I'll do in the evenings when I'll put like uh, I'll put movies on. Yeah. But often it might be a, a film I've seen or a film I know mum enjoys. Um, so I'll put it on again and I'll build a model with her sat on the floor next to her and I love it. I'll, there'll be a load of swearing and, you know, cause some of it's 
weird, hard, difficult to make. Sounds strange, but yeah, that for me has been super therapeutic. And like, I think that's the thing is that I think if you've got a a, a, a hobby or a passion, and I don't mean to speak for you, but I think you can get so caught up in something and driven by something that actually notions that other people need which is like social contact and that it's not as important it isn't that important for me like i don't i'm quite happy on my own and left to my own devices and and i guess that's what's been freaking me out a bit is like oh i think there's going to be a bit more responsibility on me again mm. like and i don't even mean like real adult responsibility i've got all them they're not going anywhere but i mean like social responsibility and i think if there's Friend one th- responsibility yeah one thing that's yeah. always done my head in mate um, and, and it's just, it's such a strange thing to bitch about, but we're really lucky because we've got good friends. And, yeah. and I was thinking this, this is such a shitty thing to say and such a weird thing to say, but I reckon by about, I, I was like, I went through a bit of a tough time when I was at, before I moved, went to college, I had a bit of a tough time at senior school the last few years. And then when I went to college, my social life changed so radically in terms of my phone just never stopped ringing. And even now, like, I can't stay on top of WhatsApp to the point where I get anxious about it. So I just don't bother, like, I don't bother reading the messages because I think if I've read it, someone's going to be expecting a response of it. And and this is when we're in lockdown. Like, once we come back to, like, sort yeah. of, like, having to go out, I don't know, that it, it sounds so strange. What a lovely problem yeah. to have, having lovely people who want to hang out with you. I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful to have my friends. But. I, think, I think you are right. I think I know that we've got good mates in that way because – any that did have any particular social expectation would have ditched me years ago because of touring and stuff. Like it is a fact that touring, I'll be off the radar for half a year, for a year, but we've mainly got mates who then we can just catch up with. And it's not any kind of, Oh, you didn't text me or you're not checked in. Do you know what I mean? I've I've worked with people whose mates will get annoyed that they've gone Mm. out with other friends on a certain night rather than go out with them and stuff like that. And, I don't think I've ever had, had, had mates like that. I think we're lucky in that. So I think that happened a little bit in my late twi- uh, in my late teens. People would get a bit like that, but I don't really have them now. Like it'd be yeah. great. Like Tom Coles. Tom Coles is one of my, my favourite human beings. Yeah. Period. Same. I, I, I'd listen. You know. I, okay. I won't start great rating my friends, but he is absolutely. He's up currently there. at number four in my. <laughs> And I don't see Tom for shit. I don't even talk yeah. to him that much. And yeah. and and it's and like whenever we talk, it's kind of like just exactly the same. Just I just love him for it. And uh, yeah, so I guess we, we are very we are very lucky in that sense with our friends. Well, it's not well, expectation. I mean, I'd normally wrap these up by asking about how you're feeling coming mm. out, but we've kind of covered that. So yeah. I'm going to kind of end it with a bit of a weird one. Of mm-hmm. number one, I want to kind of just ask how your mum's because it's not really mm. relevant to listeners but I've known your mum for years as well <laughs> and one thing that you said then mm. do you think your miniatures mm. have been comforting for you with your relationship with your mum because a lot of us will know that when parents get older or go through anything the mm. relate the dynamic kind of changes mm. a bit because you become the carer all of a sudden yeah. rather than the cared for but the image of you watching a film and you're on the floor painting miniatures yeah, yeah. feels like a really nice comforting thing yeah. to be. You're still the kid. Yeah. You're still the kid there. And your mum sat there, there with the film on and you're on the floor painting. It feels yeah. like a beautiful and comforting thing when in such a confusing time or an emotional time, I guess. She she loves it. And she yeah. generally has a delight. Like Molly will just be like, 
should I be like, look what I made? And Molly just look at me like, I, I couldn't, I really couldn't care any less about what you're showing me. And uh, and my mum will be like, oh, that's great. And I do think she, mum, mum still would be, be of the opinion that everything that gets done in the house, she does. Yeah. She believes that, like the garden yeah. or whatever. Mum does it. And she doesn't mean it, but she'll just manufacture what she did in order to get that done. Yeah. And uh, that's just the nature of her, her, her illness. How is she? I, there's there's a book called Content Dementia, and I was lucky to have been given that six years ago. And I read it really even before it hit with my dad and Parkinson's. And you just don't just don't challenge a person with dementia. You just let them yeah. enjoy. And um, and she's all right. She's she has no idea about COVID. She's got no idea yeah. about any of those things. And um, it's a bit challenging when she she will sometimes say like people aren't where is where's Ross or, or something like that. And it's like well they can't can't be here so but i think she's she's all right man I'm, i think she's when i have chats with different care healthcare workers and that i feel it's kind of it makes me feel good because they kind of think i'm competent and that's a nice feeling to <laughs> yeah, hear definitely that they're like oh well your mum's lucky then because a lot of people don't they're either already in a home by this point mm. you know or family just feel overwhelmed and and um and my mum gets that. So uh, for me, I, that makes me very happy. I still feel like I let her down. Like, I, I think if you're a, ca- a carer, I, I feel like there's things that I could do better for my mum. Um, but I don't know what that is. There's deeper psychological things, I'm sure. Yeah, going I think on that's there, always the way 100% the over analysis of what you could have done rather than the analysis of what you are doing. Yeah. Like the, like the one thing you didn't do that week rather than rather than the – hundred things you did do that week is always going to be what you're noticing can i ask you like i feel like i haven't asked you these questions because i know you're having these discussions with other people and i'm yeah. worried that if i keep if i ask you how you are on this it's going to be repetition but i hope you're all right mate <laughs> yeah i'm all good i'm all good as I said yeah the, the reason i've not been going into it much is because i'll probably in the links of all of these mm. i'll get into how i'm doing and all that and it, uh, yeah i'm i'm good but i just felt the thing that that prompted these chats is that as obvious as it sounds, I think everyone is a bit isolated at the moment. So no one really knows how anyone else is Mm. doing or what they're thinking because we're at that point where everyone's excited about the end rather than dealing with or processing everything that we've been through. So hearing a very, a variety of perspectives on that is kind of important. So yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to have oh, a bit of a, pleasure, mate. a chat. And we both managed to not say anything horrible to each other, which was oh, always out. a challenge. I, I, what, what I'll just quickly say is I low-key have been stirring up demand for your return to music on, on Instagram. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop there. That's perfect. There we go. That was Chris Glasson. And we're going to wrap things up with another person I absolutely adore. This was was one of the last conversations I recorded in this run. And it was instantly one of my favourites because the, the, the warmth and love, but the honesty as well, was just overflowing. So, yeah, J- Jade Adams, if you, if you don't know Jade Adams yet, you've not been paying attention. Her comedy has been getting all sorts of plaudits and awards and she's just been hosting so many good shows crazy delicious and snack master have been two of my favorites but she does loads of good stuff so yeah this is jade adams 
Right, I'm here today with Jade Adams. How are you, Jade? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to, to see you. It's probably about a year since we were last on a Zoom together getting horrifically dr- drunk. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, no, that was that was early doors, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And And the point of these chats is to talk about kind of how the pandemic has been with your mental health and how you've been mental health wise if you've had any low points and just instantly thinking that period that I was doing a load of of drunk cast was the first month or two of the pandemic and I spoke to Stu Whiffin about this it was the period where it all kind of felt like a holiday yeah Um, we're we're having a bit of a break but the reason we act like we act on holidays is because it's temporary yeah, that's, that that never comes to an end. It can become a worrying and troublesome thing. So yeah, how have you been? How's it all? How's it been? Oh, for it you? was like holiday, wasn't it? That's, perfect yeah. expl- uh, that's the perfect explanation as, of how it felt, and especially because I'm in Leon Sea. Yeah, there's now like feeling like you're on holiday than looking out there and seeing an estuary, or even just popping up the road and seeing all the. I mean, they obviously weren't in motion, but all the roller coasters and the fun fair and and the weather was beautiful at that point as well. So you're literally w- waking up each morning, looking out at flowing water, the sun shining. It was gorgeous, and in fact, you know what I. I always have like, so Edinburgh Fringe Festival obviously didn't happen last year. And that's usually the biggest thing that happens in my year. I'd done it for nine years in a row. The year that we were uh, in 2020 was going to be my 10th year. And it was going to, you know, I had a great idea for a show and all of that. I knew after my 10th year that I would finally have to like have a break from going up there because it's financially quite intense. It's intense on the old mental health. So I was like, I'm definitely going to have to have a break. But the problem I get is that I feel like I'm going to miss out. Yeah. And I would like, I, I don't know if it would be worse for my mental health to know that the Edinburgh Fringe Festival was happening somewhere without me. So then the pandemic happened and there was this like, I did, I will admit, I was really pleased that I got to have that year off and everyone else was having it off as well. And that was just great. So the the initial stages of the pandemic was exactly as you say, like a holiday, especially if you're busy like us and we're always like, what's the next thing? What's going on? What are we, you know, like I'm, 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 you and I are both in a similar sort of headspace with that. We just get on with stuff. Comedians in particular, I think it's one of the industries that there's such a fear of, someone is going to take your spot yeah so literally at shows but but in 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 the industry on a panel show and all these kind of things so I think it's one of the hardest industries to take time off from and as you say to take off a whole fringe the fear is always going to be that other people are going to be having that moment and becoming the talk of the town and you're going to get forgotten so I completely understand the kind of Almost a guilt of feeling pleased that it's off for everyone. So it's, it's it's not just me. Well, I sort of pride myself on trying to be quite unique and individual and, you know, have a very strong sense of my own identity. But obviously with comedy, if you bring some new thing into comedy and it does well, then you start a new trend. And yeah. and uh, that's happened in my career, I think. Yeah. Um, and so you are sort of chasing your tail a bit and... I actually was really chuffed to just have a break yeah. and just chill out and just sit in my flat and write. Actually, I've been writing a couple of scripts as well. So the, the that's an, sort of an added thing on top of this is I've had, I was really jammy, actually. I not <laughs> I don't know whether it's my sister looking down on me or what, but basically, 
in January, my Amazon Prime special came out. January 2020 on, Am- uh, on Amazon Prime, Serious Black Jumper comes out. So we all get locked into our houses and then everyone yeah. can watch me do stand up anyway. Yeah, of course. The timing of that was crazy. So the like, and then I had Crazy Delicious come out and then I had Snack Masters come out. So actually, Jade Adams looks like she's been smashing pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've, I've really come, I've really come up trumps. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be known in the history books as the Jade Adams and it's Ramesh my... Ranganathan pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch last night? Jade or Ramesh? Oh, I watched Jade last night. I'm, I'm watching Ramesh tomorrow. <laughs> my friend said to another friend of mine, she's the, like, you, you know, not one of my, uh, I'm, I'm, she's not normal, but she's a normal friend, you know, she's not yeah. comic. And um, she was like, uh, she was having a lot of time off and um, she stayed at her mum's house and she said to my other mate, she was like, it's her husband. She was like, um, it's, you know, you don't realise quite how much Jade's on telly until you go and hang out with your parents. You're flipping on like one, two, three and four. And there she is. I was like, oh, babe, please don't get bored of me. <laughs> please. So actually, initial stages of the pandemic's actually been quite, it's been really good for me. And yeah. I, I'm not going to deny that because people can see it because I'm posting stuff all the time. Yeah. And then we got to go out for a bit. And that was nice. Uh, me and my best friend, we went to uh, Sheffield for a little staycation, as the arseholes are calling it. Yeah. And we did a, we went up there, went to the Yorkshire Sculpture Park and had some time just with us two. And it's lovely, isn't it? Oh my the God, Yorkshire Sculpture Park, sheep wandering around all sorts. Who knew the North was so cultured? Wonderful. <laughs> Please don't at me. I love the North. I'm in you at the moment filming Alma's Not Normal. So please, please, I still love you. But, you know, I was really, it was lovely. We had a little trip up there and then lockdown two came Mm. and I was like, well, I'm sick and tired of this now. I was at that stage as well. I was ready to get back on stage, which, you know, like as well as a way that I earn money, it's also a a mental health uh, thing I do. There ain't like more validating than having a thousand people laughing at you when you're stood on stage in front of them. Yeah, And uh, it wasn't until lockdown two after that August where I was like, this is it, you know, this is now, uh, I'm bored now. The novelty had worn off. Everyone I was living with were all getting sick of each other, um, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, I'm imagining lots of people can relate to. Yeah, And um, and also I didn't have my thing and I didn't have my thing I was doing. And do you know what? Zoom gigs are just not the same. No. They're just like, it's just, you're having to be like basically a YouTuber and it's just not the same. It's not the same. And the laughter all cancels each other out on the sound and the audio is weird. Yeah. And and that sort of sense of validation that I get from being on stage, I really, really felt it in, in, um, in lockdown too. And I don't know, I think my mum started worrying about me a bit more. She was asking me a lot more if I'd been out of the house because I'll be honest, I um, the only thing that was quite, I, I, I mean, I talk about lockdown number one as though it was this like sort of, beautiful um you know fairy tale existence that I was living in where my dreams came true uh yeah. the, the thing that was I, I didn't leave the house yeah for three months in that first lockdown wow and I, I'll make jokes about it but <laughs> I didn't leave the house because I was terrified um having respiratory uh issues with my asthma and then also having parents who had already lost a kid as well like I have yeah. this extra pressure that I was like I cannot die 
Yeah. Like, there's no way they yeah. can go through it twice. I'll be honest with you, if I died now, there would be a great funeral. Those people would... Well, actually, would there? Would I even... I can't die now because the funeral would just wouldn't be what it should be. No. So it couldn't be now. And what with my ass when we didn't know and then the government was sending out vibes that if you were fat, you were going to get it worse than other people. And yeah. then they said, actually, no, fatness protects you. And then there was like, you know, people with asthma, you're not going to get a jab quicker asthma's got nothing to do with it and like there were so many mixed messages mm-hmm. and actually going back and thinking about lockdown one I was I, I I literally just remembered this in um April right when getting COVID wasn't a badge of honor like it is now where we know a bit more about it and we know yeah. that you can actually like most people um statistically will get COVID it won't be very nice but then they'll get over it that's what happens with most yeah. that's just statistically what goes on um, but this was April. All we knew was you get COVID, you're really sick, you might die. Because that's what the n- news was telling us. Stay in your mm. houses. We're on our fr- we're on a lockdown. What, what what the hell's a lockdown? So we I get back to this house. Uh the two the two lads I'm with here, they um uh, you know, it seems all fine. I've bought a kombucha scoby off of Amazon Prime. Um, I'm thinking we'll be healthy and stuff. And then I'm sat at this desk that I'm talking to you at right now, and I just feel this. F- thing in my throat <clears throat> and I'm sort of <clears throat> doing this a bit trying to get it up and then I uh, and then I started about a couple of hours later I started shivering then my hips started hurting and then my sense of taste and smell just disappeared and <laughs> I don't know if you can tell babes that's never happened to me before <laughs> this might be a mullet but it's a designer one no yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I lost my sense of taste and smell. And I, that never happens to me. So I knew it wasn't flu. I knew it was COVID because that was the the symptom that I've never had before in my life. Even when I had gastroenteritis, yeah, I um I still maintained my. I still ate, even though I was really, I had this bad stomach flu. I still ate on yeah. it, and uh, and lo and behold, I'd got COVID. This was in April, and I didn't know how to tell the other two because we'd moved lad in. Uh, a friend of ours who was going to be on his own and he was able to let rent out his flat to someone who was homeless. So it was a nice wow. little sort of situation. Yeah. We'd moved him in much to my parents. Like, why have you moved someone in? You're an idiot. But if, just before this happened, I was in the middle of a tour. So I was up and down the country spreading COVID all over the shop. with um, completely unaware. And uh, we get to April and uh, I've definitely got it. And I don't know how to tell the, I don't know how to tell the boys. Wow. So one of them, I was like, <clears throat> I was like, uh, um, Rich, uh, um, <clears throat> I think I've got COVID. And he was like, okay, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. Um, okay. Uh, what we're going to do. And then about 24 hours later, he's like, I've got COVID. He said, I'm sweating. I don't, I can't stop. And then we were like, what, what do we tell what do we tell Paul what's going to happen <laughs> and then Paul got it so all of us within a week all came down with COVID and uh, it was terrifying because we yeah. had, there was no information about it I found up a, a comedian doctor I know called Kwame Asante so he's a great comic he's I, I think he's won been nominated for the Edinburgh Newcomer Award before but he's also great. a GP in Birmingham Amazing. so I sort of messaged him and I was like Kwame I know this is annoying and every comic's going to be getting in touch with you but babes I've got COVID what do I do and he 
he said the best thing you can do is step like obviously the internet was telling us this but I was like I need a doctor to tell me because I don't trust the government yeah Kwame what should I do and he was like stay at home he said if you're he said only if you're it progresses so he said if you stop being able to breathe properly he said then come in but he said like he said it won't make you any better coming in he said you literally just have to get through it he said just like flu and he said don't let all of the stuff scare you he said it's not uh, he, he was basically making me feel better about it but we had it for about four weeks. It wasn't very nice. All of us wow. slept. But I, have you had it? I don't know if no. you. No, no, you haven't had it at all. We were exhausted. It was the yeah. tired. The tiredness was the was the thing because I thought, you know, yeah, lockdowns happened. I'm going to get loads of work done. I got nothing done for the first month because I couldn't keep my eyes open at my desk. And then we got over it, uh, thankfully, yeah. and that was fine. So that was lockdown one. So I sort of, you know, in lockdown two, I had this sense of like fearlessness because I'd already had it. I knew I had the antibodies. I could be a little bit like, so, you know, we're coming out of lockdown two where I like to hang out a bit more, went to Sheffield and all of that. So I think with the added like sort of, you know, calmness that I'd already had the COVID and it didn't give me long COVID and all of that stuff. And this was before they started talking about this mutant variation. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I, so then the real issue came which was I'm not on stage anymore and that's the way that I make myself feel better it's the way I it's not it's obviously I like making people laugh as well that's another point of it but there's a mutual um there's a mutual situation happening there it's an audience that want to be made who want to there's an audience there that want to laugh and then there's me there that wants to make them laugh but also there's me there who wants to be validated by an entire room for how funny I am yeah so there's like this real (laughs) mutually beneficial situation gone and we're and and we're separated from each other and it wasn't until lockdown two where that really started um that really started affecting me uh and uh and not I didn't even I just did after you know lockdown one I didn't leave the house for three months mum was like you're gonna have to just like just go to the supermarket just just go somewhere and I was like no I'm fine I've got the view of the estuary I'm absolutely fine I don't need to go I don't need to go out but I uh yeah I think it was I I think it was definitely fear and I was trying to pretend it wasn't uh but yeah uh I yeah I I miss I miss stand up so much I miss it I miss I and I was just getting there Scrooge as well like I was just like I'd finally written a show that made the broadsheets give me a four more than a three star review. Yeah. I tricked them all into believing I was clever by putting a black turtleneck on. <laughs> I'd finally written material that I was really proud of. Did a show about feminism that I made funny and I made people as old as 90 and pe- and and kids as young as like 13 be able to enjoy the same comedy which has been my dream this entire all I've ever wanted to achieve is to make old people and young people laugh at the same thing and I'd finally achieved it I was in the middle of the tour and I'm telling you what mate that tour show was the best it ever was yeah. it was so good I, I was it was an hour and a half long which I know is too long but I'd like got really got into a rhythm with it and the show was it just was there and then it just got taken away and now and now you know they're like oh is Edinburgh opening up and I'm like there's part of me that really wants to do it because I want to write a new show and then you know fingers crossed I could get another Amazon Prime special with it but then I'm like it's not going to be the same I haven't been able to do the preview season and there's there's all of that anxiety on top of it as well Oh, that's what I was going to ask. As we start to come out of it, what's the balance of anxiety and excitement? Because one of the things I always say with, I have people, I stopped performing live a while back 
and I have people ask all the time if I'll just do do one show or just do one thing here. You get asked. I see you getting asked that all yeah, the time. It, it comes up a lot. But me and, <laughs> and, and my pal Polar Bear have discussed this loads of saying, when we were shit, it was perfect because there was only four or five people in the crowd. And by the time we were good, because we'd been doing it for years and years, there was a big audience there. Now, at this point, I've not performed live in seven years. If I do one gig, there'll be an audience there, but I probably won't be very good. So, again, it's it's that balance of I had the time of getting good when no one was looking, and then when they are looking, it looks like it's this effortless drop of a hat thing. So, obviously, a year is a year. It's a long time and a short time you know, respectively, depending on on what it's compared to. So it's not like you will have lost it completely, but I completely understand. The reason I ended up last minute filming my Edinburgh Fringe show, the one year I did it, was I got something like 15 shows into my run and went, oh my God, it's never going to be as good as this again. (laughs) Because I'm doing it in the same room every night. I've honed this show to what I thought was just a gig, to being... I I will never get this as good. So I filmed it. So I completely understand that you'd got into that flow of you'd done your previews, you'd done your fringe, and then you're actually touring it and you'd got it to this perfect thing. And then all of a sudden that that's taken away. So yeah, how do you feel? The balance of the need to get back on stage in front of those people and the a, anxiety of where you'll be. I have a desire to get back up on stage, but I, I, you've you've literally just you've literally just reminded me of something which is it's never going to be like it was Mm. because I've had a really good year on television and so the expectation now is that I'm going to have to be as good as I was on my last tour date and but I'm not going to be because I've been away from it for a year yeah so actually there's there's going to be even more pressure on top of it like I'm really excited to get back in front of a crowd again but you know with my own work there's going to be an expectation on that which is oh she's gonna you know she's going to be as good as she is on an edited tv show or she's going to be as good as she is on a on an edited podcast or or you know but live jade adams is a is a very different kettle of fish and if i'm if i'm feeling confident and i'm feeling happy i'm amazing on stage but a first gig back from a year's worth of pandemic I don't know how confident I'm going to be feeling. I think I'm going to be shitting a brick. Mm. I think I'm going to be suffering with palpitations just before I get on stage. Um, So, yeah, there is an excitement to going back, but there's also a massive anxiety. And there's part of me, like not a real part, and I, you know, I don't want this at all, but there's part of me that's like, can it just stay like this forever? Um, But it can't do because people are going crazy. You know, like here, you know, Leon C, it's like the sweetest, chilled, most lovely area you've ever been to. There's cobbled streets and tea houses and ice cream and chips and a little beach. And it's gorgeous. There's been police here every single night for the last three weeks. They've got a curfew in place. No one can go outside over to the uh, old town um, after 9 p.m. because the kids are going nuts. They broke a concrete bench the other day someone got stabbed and there are gas canisters for days down there wow there's like drug problems there's gangs turning up and you know we can point a finger at that and go oh these people are you know these people are what's wrong with this country but actually no these people are us these people are our children 
the yeah. the teenagers down there their parents don't know what they're doing they're going oh mate i'm mum i'm i'm off out i'm going to go over i'm going to go over sam's house they don't go over sam's house they meet sam down the end of the road and they go down to that 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 wall and then they get themselves involved in stuff because they've spent an entire year being uh, sh- trapped in a house with baby boomers who don't understand them yeah so you know it's uh I worry about, I worry, you know, the, the, I think the worst effective are, are effective on this are teenagers and old people. Yeah. They're, they've been the most isolated from each other. And the, and you know what? The saddest thing is that the kids, the teenagers, all they've had is social media to interact with each other for, for a year. Yeah. Like what the hell, what the, and, and in right in a moment where they're all like sort of developing, you know, at that age or sort of developing your, your sort of social conscience, you're developing your confidence. Um, but you do that from like meeting someone, having a moment with them and then learning from a mistake or learning from a positive experience. Yeah. Well, on the internet, like you don't get to have those real experiences with people. You don't get to make mistakes either. You a don't. mistake is just a, a death sentence on social media. Exactly. You don't get to make any mistakes on uh, on social media. I think also that's been another problem for me as well. I felt really stifled. Like I've got a, I've got an entire book full of things I've wanted to say over the last year that I can't say on yeah. social media because people will go crazy, but I can say in a live show. Yeah. So I have like for my next show, I've already written about because of the pandemic, I've already written about 30 minutes of it. Yeah. And it's all shit that I, you know, I, I'm like, every time I go to tweet something, I, I remind myself that we're in the middle of a witch hunt. So I can't. And I was like, I'll be able to make this a lot funnier if I'm on stage with it. So I do yeah. have some material to go back to. But yeah, I felt, I, you know, I felt, I feel really stifled as a comic with the way that the internet is. Well, you know, obviously, thank you for taking the time to come on and chat. But I want to say I'm excited to be in that crowd watching you soon and i want to make a request to your agent go on to put together a little highlight reel of your best moments on Snackmaster, on crazy D- delicious on all of these things on your sh- on your sh- show on prime just for you to watch b- before you go b- back on stage for the first time oh. to remind you who the fuck you are because everyone in that crowd n- knows who the fuck you are and i feel the thing that you need to be confident in that place is to be reminded, even if it is edited moments, to to be reminded who you are and why those people have expectation and are excited to see you. I've got a bit glassy-eyed. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sweetest thing ever, and I'm definitely going to get them to do it. It's what's needed. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat, Jade. It's a Thanks, pleasure Kev. as ever. Thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Jade Adams. And that's the end of another episode. That's the end of our, our week, actually, of Mental Health Awareness Week. I hope you've enjoyed these and I hope you can share them around. As mentioned, all of these people have previously been on full episodes. So feel free to delve into the back catalogue there. There's loads to get your teeth into. I'll be back n- next week with... Lena Heady amongst others and there's loads of good people to come still basically so yeah keep tuning in 
um, and keep keeping an eye on your own mental health and the mental health of of your pals and your family and those around you. Um, as I said, share these podcasts if you can. I think the more people hear these conversations, the better. Um, yeah, look after yourselves. Until next week, stay sane and stay safe. Ta-ta.